0: Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Business of Design, episode number 106, five, fast, (laughs) Tarax. Hey everybody, welcome to Business of Design. I'm so glad you're here. This is episode 106, 5 fast track Hey everybody, welcome to Business of Design. I'm so glad you're here. Episode number 106, 5 fast track tactics for your interior design business. Now, it's not easy to say, but fortunately, fairly easy to implement the tactics that Sarah Malik Barney shares with us in this episode. It's a miracle. I got it out. Sarah is now a full-time designer, but she transitioned away from a career in entertainment, which meant a steady paycheck and endless work opportunities, to work full-time as a designer. I reached out to Sarah because her path seemed so swift. I wondered how she managed to get to her 50th project in about two years. That's kind of incredible, isn't it? What's the secret sauce? Well, she's going to share her fast track tactics with us, five of them. One of the things she mentions that was critical was forming a support group for herself and she happened to do that when she went to Las Vegas Market. She met up with a group of designers and to this day they support one another, which is fantastic. Really, it's critical, isn't it, to our well-being to have that kind of support? Creating those networking groups is the reason we host free business of design meetups, so you will all make face-to-face connections. However, not every support group is created equally. For example, I have an amazing group of designers. They are so talented. I've known them for 25 years. We get together every few months. I love them, but they are not my group that I go to when I'm looking for strategic business advice. Oh, no. Did I ever tell you guys about the shoe story? Maybe I did. I can't remember. But anyway, one of the people in the support network that I'm talking about is so funny. He ended up doing a project for someone in his building without a contract, without any kind of a retainer. He did all this work for that person. And then lo and behold, the person who is a neighbor didn't pay him. And after trying repeatedly for a year to get payment, he was so frustrated, he saw an opportunity to get a little pay back, if not payment. He noticed one night as he went to his neighbor's floor uh, to knock on the door and ask for payment yet again, that the neighbor had some shoes sitting outside his door. He'd seen this before. The neighbor obviously would put his shoes outside his door. A company would pick them up, polish them, shine them, and put them back. And he decided he was so frustrated and fed up, he would take one of the shoes. And so he did. He took one of the shoes, and then he told us all about it, and we were howling. It's hysterical. I would much rather get paid, but that's kind of creative vengeance. That's for sure. I'm not recommending this, by the way. I'm just telling you about my support network. Anyway, Fast forward two years later, he's got a collection of about five different shoes and the building is trying to catch the shoe thief. So hysterical, right? I mean, when you want to hang around with these people their days are filled with stuff like this because they don't follow any kind of business protocols. So it's a riot. We have a blast together. But definitely, this is not the group I go to when I want to strategically push my business forward. That's you guys. That's business of design. We launched a Facebook community uh, at Business of Design about a year ago, and it was getting quite robust, and people were engaging. It was really fun. And then the members, those people who are actually introducing systems and implementing strategies, reached out to us and said they would really prefer a Facebook group that was members only. That way, they could be sure the advice they got back was consistent with the practices they're developing. It really did make sense, and we can see a difference between the advice that we're seeing in the Facebook page that's open to everyone, which is still lovely, uh, versus the advice we're seeing in the members-only Facebook page. Networking has been important to us from the beginning. When we launched Business of Design in 2004, we actually have a networking group still active from 2005, which is really cool. Every time we host a seminar or a free meetup or put together our elite retreat, We encourage everybody in the room to become part of a social network and to assist each other on the fly. That way you've got some names and faces of local designers who can help you when you're in a bind. To further that goal, we recently launched Business of Design Chapter Meetings. If you go to our website, there's a tab, BOD Chapters. Go ahead and click on that and you'll see if there's a chapter meeting in your neighborhood. I couldn't believe it. I just clicked on it myself. We just, just launched it. I wasn't sure how many meetings we had when we launched. We have 20. We have two in California, one in Sacramento, one in San Francisco. We have a Denver chapter, a DC chapter. We've got a Boca Raton chapter in Florida. In Idaho, there's a Priest Lake chapter. Nashville, we've got a Nashville chapter. I'm headed to Nashville in September. We've got a Dallas chapter. In Vermont, we have Rutland, we have Washington State, and we have a Madison chapter in Wisconsin. In Canada, we have Calgary, we have Red Deer. We've got Vancouver, and we've got several in Ontario, which is exciting, Ancaster, London, Toronto, and Vaughan. We've got our first Australian chapter, which is in Sydney, and this one is just unbelievable to me. We have a Nigeria chapter. Yes, we have a group of five people in Nigeria. When I started this mission, I never dreamed that my isolation was so unnecessary. No matter where you live, there are other designers doing what you do and we can help and support each other. Our goals at Business of Design are lofty. We definitely want the public to be more aware of what professional designers do And before we could get there, we needed to make sure there were enough professional designers to carry the message. We are really at that tipping point. In 2020, we will begin a task that we've wanted to do since 2004, and that has to do with public education and outreach. I also want to mention Business of Design chapter meetings are not a profit center for Business of Design. We do not charge a fee for those meetings we are committed to making the industry stronger one designer at a time and we really appreciate your love and your support and you can support us through paid membership in business of design and through carrying the message to those designers who still need help. Thank you so much. Let's do some quick housekeeping, check in with Cheryl and then I'll tell you about Sarah and she will take it from there. Hey Cheryl, nice to talk to you. You too. I'm looking forward to High Point this weekend. We have a lot of activities happening, including our big three-hour CEU run projects like a boss course, where we're going to focus on steps one, two, and three, which includes contracts and retainers. So that's $295. You do not have to be a Business of Design member to join, but you certainly could be. And uh, basically, I'll answer any question you have about how to launch projects so they end the way they start powerfully.
0: Yes. And for anyone looking to implement the 15 steps, this is a really great way to fast track um, the first three steps. You'll be focusing on steps one, two, and three, which takes you right from the initial phone call through to trade day. Um, And for anyone who doesn't know what that is, something to um, even take before you join us for that. Uh, We've recently updated our introductory course on the site, Business of Designs 15-step project management strategy. So if you've been listening to the podcast for a long time and haven't taken that next step, you can get started. Register for free at businessofdesign.com. It's a free introductory course uh, that walks you through what those 15 steps are.
1: Yeah, it's a really good overview for sure, for sure. And we're hoping you'll watch that and be compelled to sign up for membership. So give that some thought if you're ready to take your business to the next level.
0: And another way to do that coming up on April 10th is our next group coaching session for our premium members. So if you want to sign up, registration is open. And again, that's going to be Wednesday, April 10th, which is our next group coaching session.
1: Those group coaching sessions are getting robust and the conversation has changed so much from real basics to interesting, mature questions for people who are in it to win it. Like, Wow, what a difference, right?
0: Well, one of the things we're really trying to distinguish is that through our online courses, we do have a QA section. Members have access to asking you questions as they make their way through the courses. So these group coaching sessions are really our way to answer questions that are not currently included in course topics, and to sort of go beyond that and answer those questions for our um, members, because it does take us a while to create new courses on each of these subjects, and we've got a long um, list of ones that are coming up, but uh, to get immediate uh, answers to those questions, this is the way we're doing it.
1: Sounds Thank great. Thank you, Cheryl.
0: Take care.
2: Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Seldon. Business of Design is the coaching community. For independent designers like you. We know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses, participate in monthly coaching calls, and find unlimited support within our exclusive members-only Facebook group. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results for independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. Monthly membership is only $79. Annual members save two months and have access to Kimberly's contracts. What are you waiting for? We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too.
1: Let me tell you about Sarah Malik Barney, who set out to create a thriving, profitable business for herself. That's a really good goal. Her background is entertainment and events, and I will let her tell you about that. What's key? Sarah felt she had no time to waste in launching a profitable design business. She'll share how she managed to do that in a very short time. Spoiler alert! It has nothing to do with creativity and everything to do with business skills. Even though she's only in her third year of business, she is working on her 50th project. That's five O. And when not designing, she says you can find her in Austin drinking rosé, wearing sequins, dancing to boy band music, and trying to solve a New York Times crossword. She's also trying to be a cool mom, and I bet she is. Hey, Sarah, how are you this morning? I'm good. How are you? Good. Okay. So everybody listening, Sarah and I are in our pajamas. It's super early. Yes. I'm in yes. California and you're in Texas. It's earlier for you. Yeah, that's <laughs> cool. Uh, it's it's good. We're having coffee. We're having a great conversation. And Sarah just tapped into the gold mine that is my existence, which has to do with the fact that 80% of the work we do is business and only 20% is creative. And the crazy thing is, if you're not that great at the creative part, you can learn that part, right? I mean, I think you could definitely tap into it for sure. All right. So give us your background in terms of uh, business and then how did you get into interior design? Yeah. So I grew up in, I'm in Austin, Texas.
3: I grew up in Austin, um, but I always wanted to work in the entertainment industry. That was a big thing for me. I just had dreams of living in LA and having this ritzy life. And so right after college, I moved to LA and I got my first job out of college was working for Ellen DeGeneres actually for her talk show. And while it was great and fun, it was a little too, um, loosey goosey in terms of schedule. Like we'd have three weeks off or six months off and it was just all over the place and I couldn't pay my bills and I wanted something a little bit more structured So I moved over to working at a very large talent agency where I thought I would just get some experience and move on from there. Um, I ended up staying there for almost five years, meeting my husband there and becoming a talent agent. And it was sort of around the time that he and I were about to be engaged that I realized, okay, I want a life and I want kids and I want a house and I want normal things. So let's move back to where my family is. And we moved back to Austin in 2009. I was pretty burnt out on work at that point. I'd worked Nonstop since the day I graduated. And so I was planning to take a few months off, but it was 2009 when nobody was hiring anybody and there was no jobs available. So the second I stepped off the plane in Austin, I actually was offered a job working for South by Southwest. Um, and I didn't want to take it, but I took it because I had to. And, um, and it worked out. I was there for seven years running all of their sales for. Um, entertainment brands at the festival, and it was a great, great time. But this sounds super cliche in terms of getting into design, but it got to be 2016, it was the election year, and it was shortly after the election ended, and I had two young girls, and I kind of thought, oh my gosh, I need something bigger than me. I need to do something to show them that, I need to take control of my my career and what it is I'm doing. I've always sort of had an entrepreneurial spirit, Um, And design was always something I loved and something I just sort of did for friends. So I researched how to go back to school and keep my job and not go broke from student loans or anything like that. Um, And so I started, I went back to school um, online. It was a one year program and I finished it in three months because I was just nose down, let's get this done. And I started taking projects while I was still working full time and, Not thinking really like it was going to become anything. I thought it was just going to be like this lucrative hobby, I guess. I don't know. And then it got to the point where I was taking on so many projects, I had to quit my job. And that was about six months into the business, five, six months into the business. And then from there, we've just grown. And now we've just completed, we're about two and a half years in. We're about to start project number 50. And um, we have four employees or four of us total. And it's just, I don't know, like gangbusters.
1: That is so exciting. It reminds me a bit of Adam Google, who was on episode number 100, because he was in the corporate world, decided to make the transition to interior design. And once he got earnest about it and started implementing procedures and systems to help him run his business, it just exploded. And it can be- yeah. It can be really exciting. And you have the advantage, which I think is huge, of having a business background. Like that just yeah. that just cannot be underestimated. Um, but you said previously before when we were talking, which is so funny, of course, you work in the entertainment industry, but you don't think you're necessarily as creative as some other designers. What do you mean by that?
3: Well, I always joke that I'm a Gemini. So I'm both creative and super type A. But um, while I, I think I have a good eye for design, I wouldn't say, I don't, tr- I'm not super precious about it and I don't treat it like a art form per se. I'm not going to work things to death. I'm not going um, to, I just, I, I have a creative eye, but I'm not super creative in that way where I'm um, treating it really, really special or um, it, at the end of the day, it's a business and I'm here to make clients happy for sure. And create wonderful spaces for them, but at the end of the day, it's also I gotta pay a mortgage, and you know I gotta um, pay my employees, and so I have to keep that in mind, and that's always top of mind. And it's funny working with other designers, and I even have a designer on staff who is uh, classically trained, has always been an interior designer, and the, her business acumen is definitely lacking. In a sense, she probably couldn't go out on her own without suffering quite a few failures in the beginning, which is okay if you're young. But for me, I was at a point in my career where I I couldn't afford to do that. So it was either it had to work or it didn't.
1: I guess I can relate. I've never thought clients hire me because I'm the most creative designer in town. I just don't think they do. I think that the work that we do, I think of myself as an applied artist. That's what I want to say. Okay. I'm an applied artist. I I'm like not that. an artist. I go to museums and I see what artists do. Um, like we went yesterday to the Ai Weiwei exhibit, a Chinese um, artist that's in LA. And, you know, I'm like, wow, who would have thought of making... 100,000 or 100 million tiny porcelain sunflower seeds and putting them together in a pile on the floor and right, calling that a right. work of art. I'm just not like that. But I can take somebody who's living in a home that's not finished and I can finish that home beautifully. Uh, and I don't overthink it. I don't overwork totally. it. Right. But I do know designers who are so right. creative. They, they're, the, the work that yes. they do is, is magical somehow and that's not my customer. Um, right. It's interesting. So it's good. So for everybody listening who like says, well, I can't really draw. I don't know if I'm the you know most creative designer oh, out there. I draw to save my life. Right. 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 Oh my gosh. In kindergarten, I had this teacher and we had to color a poinsettia and I had to stay inside and miss recess because I didn't color in the lines. And that was it. <laughs> I just, that was the last time I thought I'm an artist. I'm done. It's over. I don't understand that yeah. world. Anyway, so it's good to know that, that um,
2: <laughs> it's, hey, exactly. we all come from
1: a different place, right? Like I really am envious of people who can draw beautifully and all that kind of stuff. So, so cool. So we met when we were in Austin and you, I could tell, I don't yeah. remember what the conversation was, but I'm like, that girl knows what, that girl is going to run a, a mean business. And <laughs> you came up with about five different talking points that I think are all really great podcasts. So Let's start with the first one on your list, which is the business plan. Why the heck do I need a business plan if I'm running an interior designer decorating company? That's just crazy talk. Right,
3: right. Well, you know, what's funny is I, I, when I wrote that down, I thought, oh, I'm not, I need to like look at my own list here to do it myself. I first did a business plan before I started because I just thought I had to, like, that's what I was always told. Like when you start a business, you need a business plan. But now going back and looking at it, it's funny to see how my business has evolved into what I thought it was going to be versus now what I know about my area where I do business, but then also my um, my clientele and who has been attracted to me versus not. And now I can make, you know, little changes here and there. I thought, you know, I was going to be a designer for the people. And then I quickly realized, wait a second, I don't want to be that person, you know, so um, things have changed a little bit for sure, but, um, but it's a good sort of touch base to look back at. Um, and even if you're not sticking to it, what are your goals for the next quarter, year, five years? And where do you see it? What's the end game for this, right? Like if I'm gonna do client projects until the day I die, I think I might go a little bit crazy. So, you know, like how are we gonna grow the business over time? So that it constantly stays interesting, and what are those things, and what do they mean?
1: So when you when you were trained in business school to do a business plan, you describe the business you want to create, right? And you do you do did you get down to nitty gritty like this is how much money I want to make, this is how many days I want to work, like what are the things they told you in business school you needed to have in the plan?
3: So I didn't get that specific, only because I had no idea what I was getting into in terms of financial freedom, if you will. I didn't know that I would get, I was going to be doing this full time. I thought it was going to be a hobby, but I did have a certain level of expectation. If I am doing this on my own, here's what I want to make. Here's where I'm comfortable. Uh, this is what works for me. Um, but I did get into, you know, ways in which we're different than others in the market and what, what delineates us from our quote unquote competition And then, what do we provide that's different maybe than somebody else? Because it is a saturated market. So, how do we make ourselves stand above someone else? Um, And what is our approach to that? And so, like I said, I didn't, I kind of like did it on the fly, not knowing much about the interior design as a business. But I feel like it's, it, it actually is great in terms of keeping hold of what I want design to be, even if the actual day to day is different than what I wrote down. it at least this is what I always wanted it to be. And this is what I'm sticking to.
1: Well, and I think every three, four years it's going to change, right? It's just going to change because you're going to get better at what you're doing. You're going to figure out who your ideal customer is. Um, Like for me, I I couldn't possibly have written a business plan at the beginning that would have carried me to where I am now. And my business plan today is going to look very, very different. Right. You don't
3: have to hold true to it. It's just sort of the core values that are there.
1: I think in general though, and and this is a gross generalization, but I think most of us ask for too little. We write a business plan and we say, you know, I just want to make a little money and, you know, make clients happy kind of thing. Like, oh no, ask for more. Come on. You deserve more. (laughs) Um, okay, yeah. Tell me what differentiates you. What did you kindly, what did you finally stumble upon that, that makes you guys different?
3: Well, this is going to sound really, um, I don't know, bougie, I guess, but um, I always in my mind, when I pictured interior designers for years, I pictured these like old ladies in Dallas with big hair and like stuffy curtains and like designing women. And I thought, oh, I don't know, that's not me and that's not who I'm going to be. And so I very much came at it from an angle of, I want design to be accessible for everyone. And I want, even if you don't have the budget, you should feel like you can have a beautiful space. I don't want to be the Walmart of designers, but I do, I that's when I get back to saying I'm not precious about it. I think that there are ways you can kind of work with a lot of different budgets Um, They maybe can't afford me at this point, but at the same time, it's something where I I just thought that everyone should be able to have this and it shouldn't feel stuffy and it shouldn't feel like you can't sit on it and touch it and live in it day to day. It should feel like you, you should feel like you live there. Um, And that was a big thing for me. And I'm not going to push something on a client that I just think is beautiful. If I think it's also not functional and completely wrong. So, Um, that was a big, big thing for me. And I have two little kids. And so working with young families is just something that I've naturally they've attracted to me and I've attracted to them. And now I'm, I'm used to working with pets and animals and kids and all the things to make it
1: accessible. So would you say that's part of your business plan now is young families, um, you know, bring me your chaos. I will get you organized kind of thing. (laughs) you know, what's funny is I actually put that in the business plan that I was
3: going to be working with young families. Cause I just had a feeling, I think it's just the nature of the area I live in, the people I'm around my day to day, like my friends and family, there's a lot of young families around me. And, um, I love working with young families. I love it. Like they're kind of coming into their own, they're figuring out who they are. Um, and they, they love design and they're willing to take more risks than I think somebody more set in their ways. And, yeah,
1: I, I, I've, I've loved working with family. In a very practical way too, young families get to be older families and they move into different homes. So you, you probably have, you know, three projects per family in your career ahead of you, right? And then you'll start doing their kids places. That's where I am. Or their second homes if we're lucky. <laughs> Definitely. Second homes are the most fun. Actually, every, Pretty much every client I know has spent more on the second home than they did on the main home. Oh, nice. (laughs) But Because you're in a position where you have that extra cash at that point, right? You um, mentioned uh, previously that you believe that that's really important to be able to hire out. So did you do that before you took on actual staff?
3: Yes. Um, I would say this is like the number one thing that I think led to my fast growth um, is, you know, I realized very early on I'm one person and my time is worth money. And if it's not something I am, a, I at least have like some inkling of an idea how to do and do efficiently, then I'm not going to do it. Um, and that, that was true for a lot of different things. The biggest thing I did straight out of the gate was hire someone to handle all my SEO. And I did that because I knew, I knew the SEO was complicated and I knew that I wouldn't be visible in my marketplace if I didn't grow it. So, um, I immediately hired that out and it has been, it has paid for itself 10 times over. Um, I still use the same service I'd always used to do it and, um, they're fantastic. And I've, i I highly recommend hiring out if you are not a pro and what it is that you're doing, hire it out. You know, if you don't know how to lay tile, you're going to hire somebody to lay the tile. So, um, it will save you so much time to focus on what it is you actually are good at and charge for that. Than um, wasting your time, say, learning how to 3d render, it could take you days and days and days to learn how to do when you can hire that out to somebody for 200 bucks, you know,
1: it's better for clients as well. Right. Because you're, they're going to get that person who's an expert, who's fast and efficient at it. And you're going to be able to focus on the things that you're great at.
3: Right. And yeah, you're able to focus on it and you're also able to take on more work, quite honestly. So I was able to, before I hired my first employee, I was managing eight projects on my own. Granted, that was not ideal because it was crazy, total chaos. I was working all the time. But at the same time, I was able to take on more business and grow faster because I hired out these other business things that I needed.
1: I think you can do that for a year. I think it's legitimate to say, like, for a year, I'm going to be building sweat equity I will be overwhelmed, I will be challenged, I will make mistakes. But somewhere around the second year mark, it should begin to settle down and gel and feel good. And what happened for me is it was you know, 12 years in and I'm still at the same point that I was the first right. year. So right. that's the point at which you really want to get serious and start drilling down and figuring out you know, who you are. You must have done, um, in addition to SEO, t- talk to me about networking. Are you good at it? Do you like it? I hate small talk, but
3: I do I don't mind networking and I don't mind public speaking. I don't really mind. I'm an extrovert by nature, so I don't mind putting myself out there. Um, I would say locally, I haven't networked nearly as much as I have sort of across the country. I've met a lot of great people going to market. And I now travel with those people to different markets and it's really fun. And like, we have a constant text thread going on and we're all sort of in the same points in our businesses so we can bounce things off of each other. Um, sometimes it doesn't overlap because of our areas because one's in California, one's in Colorado, one's somewhere, you know, they are kind of all over the place, but it is great in terms of just bouncing ideas off of one another, or even if we need to order from somebody or whatever it may be. I sort of have this, this brain trust where we can share ideas and share very frank. Like, what are we making? Are we making enough money? And, you know, what are we doing here?
1: How did you meet this group?
3: Going to market, actually. I went to Las Vegas market um, about a year and a half ago. It was right after I quit my job. It's almost two years now. And I thought I was a big poser. Like I was there and I was like, oh my God, I just quit my day job. And like, what am I doing? These people have been doing this for years. And I was just part of a group of designers that were going on around a tour. And then I ended up connecting with about six or seven of them. We still have a text there that goes to this day where we just, hey, does anybody have an account with whoever? Or, hey, has anybody ever put this cord around over this type of baseboard?" I mean, really, we get really specific a lot of the time, nerd out, but um but it is so helpful, and now a couple of us we go, we've been to high point together we we just got back from Vegas together, so it's been great just sort of touching base with one another and now I'm like sort of invested in them, you know, like I know about their kids and their family and we've talked about like going on vacations together I mean it's become a whole thing
1: oh my so gosh that's it's been so good!
3: enormously helpful
1: that's so good I, I did not see you in Vegas. I was just got back from Vegas as well that's so fun yeah um. There was something I wanted to ask you about. Oh, do you want to share the name of the SEO company? You don't have to, but would you want to share the name of the SEO company with everybody?
3: Um, yeah, I don't mind. I mean, actually, you know, what's so funny is I found them on Google, which I thought, well, if I could find them on Google, they have great SEO. Um, but they are, uh, they're called Client Expander, and they actually focus on interior designers and architects. So I knew they would be a great fit because they understand our business um, and they do great work and I can't, I can't recommend them enough.
1: Okay. So client expander, we'll look for them. One of the bullet points that you sent to us had to do with charging what you're worth from the beginning. How do you know what you're worth when you're just starting out? Did you base that on previous jobs that you held down or the, the amount of money that you needed to make in order to support your family? How did you get to your number?
3: Yeah, that's exactly it. I, I knew, again, I said this earlier, I'm coming at this a little bit later, not later in life. I'm not like twilight years, but I, I wasn't, too with no kids, no mortgage, no nothing. I had, I had to make a living doing it. And so, yeah, I based it on sort of the minimum I needed to start out, um, in order to maintain my lifestyle and what, what, what was that going to take in order to continue one investing in the business, but then also still paying my bills. So, yeah, I just based it on what I still feel like my time is worth, regardless of experience, my time is valuable. So, I just based it always on what I'd made previously, um, in previous jobs. And it's just worked out for me.
1: When you meet other designers, do you talk, have you had the experience where you've talked to them about what they're charging and you just scratch your head and say, how on earth do you make a living doing that?
3: Well, it's funny cause I was talking about this group of designers that I'm on a tech start with and we all charge very differently. Um, two of us who we, we probably are the most similar in business which you'll probably go crazy for we've charged flat rate we I've always only charged flat rate but I do base it on my time and I overestimate my time so um she does it a little bit differently where she charges some sort of complicated solution of like a percentage of the budget versus time and some algorithm that I can't understand but um yeah there are times that there I remember one of the girls we met in Vegas She poor thing. She was like struggling. Like she couldn't pay for her dinner. Like she had no money. And she constantly is like, can I help you with anything? I'm like, I don't really have anything for you. I feel really bad because I know you're talented. Just it's okay to ask for it. You know, it's okay. If they say no, they say no, which is hard. I know it's hard because I've been told no, I've been told I'm too expensive, but I know I'm not the most expensive and I know I'm not the cheapest. So And I'm okay right there in the middle.
1: Yeah. And you are too expensive for somebody and that is okay because there's probably someone who could service that client. So our job is not to serve everybody. Like we just can't, right? You got to pick a lane and stay in it. But it does break my heart when I meet designers who can't. Like I had the experience where we all going to Vegas for something, a group of designers and we're like, let's stay at the Win. And there were a couple of them who were like, "Uh, no, we're just going to like stay at like, I don't know, Circus Circus or something. I'm like, what? Like, oh my God. No, you're not. I know. And they've been doing it a long time. That was the other thing. These two in particular have been doing it over 25 years. So they're exhausted. They're burnt out. They're not making money. Which part of this is working for you? Like you know except right. for the social connections none of it right like none of it right yeah
3: i know it's really hard and there have been times i've lost on jobs and it like the client will come to me and say well i'm sorry but your quote was double the next closest quote and i thought how are these people even doing this job for this amount of money i mean right. are they just want the job and so they're quoting low or is yes. it cuz they're not you know yes. this is just how they charge i don't know but it always, like, makes me scratch my head, like, how are they even making a living? And maybe they're just okay with making forty, fifty thousand dollars 50000 a year. Uh, maybe. I don't know. And they do still great work and just not yeah. make any money doing it. I don't know.
1: No, it's so funny. A lot of people think I don't like flat fees. I love flat fees. I just think sometimes people use a flat fee to hide And they make so little money. The majority of designers who use flat fees make so little money. It's bad for them. It's bad for the industry. And uh, I think if you're just starting out, uh, to go hourly so you learn how much time it takes to do a job. And then, fine, switch to a flat fee. But you have to charge a lot. And, you know, yeah, you're not going to get every job. That's okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. You also mentioned on your list of five things, and by the way, we're going to write these five things down and we'll share with you Sarah's big takeaways in the show notes at businessofdesign.com. But the last one had to do with always be learning. So do you pick something that you see as a weak spot and then you say, this year I'm going to tackle that? Or are you just curious by nature so you're constantly asking questions?
3: Well, actually I'm I'm sort of neither of those things. I'm just a control freak. And so I like to be able to know how to do everything myself. And um, if if it all went away tomorrow, I want to be able to take care of myself. And so um, a big thing for me is I I do, one thing I do, and I have it set up in my calendar. Um, I used to be once a week, but that was unrealistic. So now it's about once a month or once a quarter, where I take time out to learn something new. It could be anything. It could be, Um, taking better photography for just like Instagram on the fly when I don't have a professional photographer around. Um, It could be learning, you know, polishing up Photoshop skills. It could be any sort of thing that will help me do my day-to-day job. Um, And I, and I, and it's something that I've seen a need in where I, I have hired out for it. And is there a way I can do it doesn't have to be to the same professional level, but can help me on a day-to-day basis when I don't have time to hire out for that person. Um, And actually it's something we just implemented on staff too. And our employees got really excited about it. And now we're setting up quarterly, almost like lunch and learns for them, where maybe it's floral design and how to put together a lovely arrangement or just kind of learning different skills. It helps keep our brain fresh. um, And, you know, we'll help, help us in a photo shoot if we can put together a beautiful flower arrangement without having to hire out. So things that we can use practically too. Um, And we just, we we like to try out a lot of different things.
1: I think that's an excellent plan to kind of think of quarterly, of putting some time on the calendar quarterly where you learn something new and something that can add to um, the work that you're doing. So I could definitely see floral arranging. I could see wine tasting. (laughs) I like that, (laughs) right? In all seriousness, because client, you know, a lot of my clients drink wine, and so to be able to speak with them in an educated manner about you know wine and the proper glassware and that kind of thing, I can see where things like that could be helpful as well. No, no, I was just
3: going to say, you know, another caveat or piece of that is um, we've also taken to learning a lot more about local charities around us. One, how can we support them? But then also, this is. This is going to come off really tacky, but where are the wealthiest people hanging out? They're at charity events. And so, kind of learning about charities, but then also that goes back to the networking. It's like meeting this whole other group of people that I don't normally socialize with and I'm not around all the time. So, I'm helping these charities out, but then I'm also meeting all new people and kind of just putting myself out there in that way.
1: Uh, Yeah, I completely understand that. That's okay to be um, (laughs) focused, right? And especially like if you're leaving a paid gig, Uh, for a new life as an interior design professional, you have no choice. You've got to bring home some customers. So it's okay to be strategic about that. We don't have to be uncomfortable about that. I can't imagine a man apologizing for that, right? No. (laughs) Absolutely absolutely cannot imagine that happening. No. (laughs) Good for you. Okay. So advice for someone listening, who's just starting out and maybe they didn't have the opportunity to go to business school. In fact, they probably didn't
3: coming from a business background, just even working in business, I worked in sales for 15 years. So I I understand a lot about the thought process of a client where I've seen younger designers who don't have that experience, can't quite wrap their head around. And it's almost psychology, you know, where you're trying, it's almost like a dance with the client, like trying to say the right thing, do the right thing, be genuine to yourself. But um, I think that A lot of times designers don't know how to communicate with the client and and put themselves in the client's shoes. Um, And it's very much about the design and not the actual end product or the client or the business and how is it going to grow. And if you're working from home, maybe look at going into like a co-working space, at at least surrounding yourself with other people who are running businesses, you know, will help you pick up on things you didn't even realize you could, you could do. And it goes back to what I said earlier. Going to market helped me tremendously. I thought it was going to be overwhelming and intimidating. I loved it. I picked up on the energy of it. And every time I go, I come back with like 10 million new ideas of ways we can grow the business. So um, just immersing yourself with other designers, I think will, will help a lot, especially in your region.
1: Absolutely uh, we I mentioned that we were also at Las Vegas market because business of design is hosting a conference in at the January market in oh, nice. 2020 so uh, that will be priced so that new designers, young designers uh, those who haven't quite broken through yet will be able to attend and get the benefit and create networking groups, et cetera. So we're excited about that. Couldn't agree more with all of your great uh, advice. We like to end every episode with design intervention, <laughs> a bit of life-changing advice. Something uh, you think everybody must do immediately.
3: Something everybody must do immediately. Uh, well, obviously, get a website, which sounds stupid, but there's a lot of people who don't have one. Um, and invest in photography. That's a big one. I was, I thought, oh, I could just use my iPhone photos and edit them a little bit because I know a Photoshop now. Invest in photography again, hire out for that. Um, And then also for one thing I did very early on to to sort of um, solidify um, my legitimacy in my marketplace is I focused on one social network and I spent a lot of time trying to grow it. And it was the bane of my existence for about a year, but it, it has grown and it has been great. And it has sort of, put a foothold in my area, but then also in just in the design world as a whole, I picked Instagram because that was the one that I felt made the most sense for my business. It could be Facebook for you. It could be something else entirely, but, um, I spent a lot of time and effort, um, growing my Instagram just to, just to validate a little bit about our business and who we were and again, raise that visibility.
1: And how can we find you on Instagram since you brought that up?
3: Um, it's really easy. We're at, um, join the band is our handle for every single, um, every single social platform. So you can just search for join the band with an extra D on the end, join the band and we're just, yeah, band design in Austin.
1: I love it. All right. Everybody reach out and follow at join the band two D's. That's two Two D's Ds at the end there in Austin. And I I hope that I'll be hanging out with you at market at some point. You're going to uh, high point in the spring.
3: I'm going
1: to go to High Point in October. Okay. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll be there as well. I've I've got the April market coming up next though. So uh, I know. Craziness. And I was supposed to be at South by Southwest this year, but I ended up going to, I'll be in Australia instead. So that's how that works out. That'll be better. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for getting up so early this morning. I really appreciate it. All right. I'll talk to you soon. (laughs) Okay.
2: Bye. Thank you for being a part of the Business of Design community. If you love what you hear on the podcast, take the next step by signing up at businessofdesign.com. As our thank you, you'll gain access to Business of Design's 15-step project management strategy, a free introductory course which includes three Business of Design systems you can implement for immediate results. And when you're ready for success, a Business of Design membership, monthly or annual, will dramatically improve your business and your life. What are you waiting for? Together we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today.